Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hello. We are, uh, have been in the sky, and we are in a wonderful spot on Earth this year, this week, <laughs> this new year. <laughs> this new year. We're starting off the new year in Hawaii, and we're here as the beginning of a little speaking tour that's going to end up in Seattle, but we're mainly here to be with our son Jonah and his wife Asia and their five children on the island of Maui. And we've been thinking a lot about family lately and a lot about this difficult business of prioritizing our families. You know, Linda, prioritizing is such an interesting word. We know what it means. We know, we know that it, suggests that it comes first, that family comes first. We know that on public opinion polls and surveys, uh, 90 plus percent of people on this planet say their family is the most important thing to them. But there's always this little sort of tinge of guilt because it's so hard to make our actions and our expenditure of time and mental energy match up with our priorities. And so, so many of us say, well, yes, my, fi my family's my first priority. But then when we analyze where we're spending our time and, and you know, we don't want to beat ourselves up too bad. We, we work, we have obligations, we have careers, we have church callings, we have all these other interests that pull at our time. The, the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And for many of us, there's this nagging concern that our actions and the way we live our lives and where we spend our time and our energy don't always match up perfectly with, with our highest priorities. And, you know, often we think maybe that responsibility is a lot less once our children leave home, that we're free as birds and we can go take art classes and go to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know, it just never ends. In fact, in some ways it gets bigger. It gets very different, but it gets bigger. And I was just thinking this morning about our grandson who's just finishing as a missionary in Taiwan in two weeks. I need to write to our our kids and tell them this is their last chance to really give them encouragement yeah. to, you know, race to the finish line and do the very best he can because you need encouragement. So, you know, there, uh, this, the point is it just never ends. There are always needs of family members and we need to think more about them, even though we do, as you said, well, and, a I, lot of and, and I, th I think when, when 90 plus percent of of people say family is their first priority. I don't think they're just paying lip service. I think they really believe and feel in their hearts that the most important thing to them is their marriage and their children and their family and their relatives. And, you know, there's so many cliches around that. Blood is thicker than water. And, you know, the thing that'll finally matter in the end is family and the story of people on their deathbed who, who who always say, I wish I'd found more time to spend with my family. So these are sincere feelings. The, the challenge is finding the time, finding the energy, and finding, frankly, the skill and the know-how and the, the, the ability 
to really put your family first. I think it's a lifetime struggle for almost everyone. You know, I'm just finishing editing a book right now for grandmothers, and I was just writing yesterday about um, how important it is to um, keep that, keep this foremost in our minds that this really is still our priority, even though we're grandmothers, and that there are so many things that you can do. However, as you say, you know, life happens and it just is, there's so many distractions. If you don't actually write it down, if you don't have a plan. You don't have goals and plans and a strategy. And, and write and every, a mission statement. You know, every week I, I have a little place where I write down things that I'm doing for my family. And then sometimes I cross them out because I don't do them. <laughs> but um, Sometimes you cross them off because you do do them, but sometimes. Sometimes you cross them off because you don't. Well, you cross them out when you do them. You cross them off when you do do them. But um, it really is important to think about the needs of our families and make it a priority. Yeah, you know, and and uh, you know, you 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 find people who who are in business. Let's say, for example, because I'm I'm my background is that of a management consultant, and I can't tell you how often. I would sit with someone who was the CEO of a company or the president of his organization or whatever, and 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 when I'd say, "What are your goals for your company? What are, what are your projections? What are your uh, what's your mission statement? What's your vision statement?" Boy, they had it. They had it. They had it. Here's my pro formas. Here's what I plan to do. Here's my strategy. And unfortunately, a lot of times when you ask those same people, "What is your?" mission statement for your family what is your strategy for your family what are your goals for your family it becomes more general well i want to be a good dad well i want to i want to be a good mom well i want to you know prioritize my family but the specifics so often aren't there and so we've we've spent a fair amount of our lives over the last many years trying to help moms and dads and marriage partners approach their marriages and their parenting and their family in a very deliberate sort of strategic way and make it a real first priority and and it's hard and and sometimes we feel like we 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 need to walk our own talk you know we, we it's easier to say than to do so today this is a kind of a long rambling introduction to the subject and the subject is one of our sons and his wife who, and some of you are going to think by the end of this show that they've gone too far. They've gone overboard in magnifying the importance of family and in prioritizing it. And so we, we want to tell you this story, not so much because we think you should emulate this, not so much because we think everyone should sort of do their family just the way Jonah and Asia have done theirs. But we, we tell it as a way to prompt all of us to think about the fact that, wow, maybe there is a higher realm. Maybe there is a, a way to <clears throat> prioritize family even more than we had ever imagined. Um, I sometimes, in fact, I actually told Jonah and Asia the other night, I, I wish they'd write a book, although it might discourage other parents because of the extremeness with which they pursue this. But it could even be called living life backwards. And what I mean by that is so many of us burn ourselves out in our careers through the whole middle part of our lives. That's that's our focus that sucks away so much of our time. And then 
in the later years of our life, we say, now I've got to get back to my family. I've got to get back to relationships. And, and, and even the idea of retiring, I work hard till I'm 65 or 70 and then I retire. What, wouldn't it be great if we could somehow live life backwards and, and retire when we're 30 and when we have all our kids at home and when we're striving to be a good dad or a good mom and then start working when we're 65 or 70 and we don't have family or doesn't mm. seem to work out too that, well. I'm that sure way. people out there thinking, ah, that is not practical. It's <clears throat> not going to happen in most cases. There are some people that figure out how to do that. We talked to a, a fellow recently who was so concerned about the internet and the effect it was having on his children that he just took them off for a year on a boat. He could afford <laughs> to do it, so he did. And he could afford to do it. There <clears throat> are not many people that can really um, manage that, but but we can spend more time thinking about it. So let me set this up, Linda, and then you 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 give some details on it. But here, what what if I told you that there was a couple who has five children and who lives on the island of Maui in Hawaii and who probably devote more than half of their time as adults to the needs of their children and who are there for them every day when they come home for school and who are there with them working on things all the time and who are not caught up in a career. What, what would you say? You'd say, well, that must be an independently wealthy family. They must have made so much money that they're able now to just not work and live a life of family focus and leisure. But that's not the case. That's not the case. And, and again, I, 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 I caution, I, I'm anxious to say we're not advocating this lifestyle. We're just telling you one of our sons and his wife have become the epitome of prioritizing families. They've taken anything we've ever taught as writers and as speakers and as parenting and family uh, experts, uh, although I hate that term, they have taken it to another level, Linda. They've just, they, they, how do they do it? I hope all you, I hope all you listening are saying, wait, that's impossible. How do you live on Maui in Hawaii and, and, and be full-time parents for, for young children? How do you, how do you, how do you do well, that? How do you get income? How do you live? How do you survive? Well, they both have income and they do, I mean, because they do different things, whether it's Asia taught piano for a long time, um, Jonah is a contractor for uh, electrical and plumbing on the island and so on. But he works but for, he sporadically. Works when he, and right now his health is not great. He's, he's wrenched he's his back. He's got a bad back. But. But, um, but they somehow seem to manage, and not only manage, they live like kings. They have, well, they know how. To they do know some how things. to do it. It's pretty pretty amazing. They know how to barter. They know how. They have good friends who know how to teach them what they need to know, in order to survive. Jonah, for example, uh, buys old Mercedes, and changes them from diesels to greasels, so that they run on vegetable oil. So they've been. They oh, they they fuel up at the at McDonald's or at the Chinese restaurant or anywhere where they can get used cooking oil we, we and always, they burn it in their vehicles. That's their gas. That's where, their petrol. Where they got their last uh, gas from? Because they smell like.
fish and chips or the Mexican restaurant or whatever when they come uh, with their car. But, but it the really, bottom, bottom line, sorry, they, but they live a humble life that is completely family oriented. And they and this seems almost impossible, but they they view money as something that that is a means to an end and they need a little of it. And so they work when they have to. But when they don't have to, when they've got enough from something else or when they're carrying over from some money they earned earlier, they'll, they'll focus pretty much full time on their children. Like you say, they, Asia teaches music and Jonah um, converts cars and works sometimes as a mechanic and sometimes that. And by the way, they haven't always done this. They, Jonah was a very uh, successful and profitable builder. He built $10 million homes for, for celebrities in Las Vegas for years and did well financially. He was a developer, but he made this decision. My kids are getting older. We want to spend time with them and we want to simplify our lifestyle and downsize. And you might say, well, Hawaii is a crazy place to do that. The cost of living is so expensive. I might as well throw this shocker out, Linda. Their budget, they, they live on less than less. A, well, probably lower than the poverty level. In, in I the guess States. I won't say a number, yeah. but you wouldn't believe it if I told you how, how little amount of money it, they spend amazing. each month. It's amazing. And, you know, the kids pick uh, avocados on the way to school because <laughs> they're just hanging on the bushes on the way. And they, they have a way of uh, organizing their lives that they live like kings. We have, well, when you say um, that, they live humbly, but they eat well, like they eat kings because like they eat, they they eat, they catch fish and they. Well, <laughs> they, we had venison grow steaks food. on Sunday, for example. Yeah. We had pumpkin soup from from the pumpkin on Sunday, and um, bagel rolls that the kids put together. But also, they don't sit in Maui their whole lives either. I mean, in the summertime, they find they're a way to the, travel with us to in the states. Their kids Last to year, things. they went to Europe for six months, and they lived in a G wagon, uh, going from day to day, and having the most spectacular experience with their kids. What this does for the kids is truly amazing too. Their whole strategies build around how can we raise our children to be the kind of human beings. We want them to be. That's their focus. So what I'm saying is they live what so many say they want to live or prioritize. So let's take a brief break. And when we come back, we'll try to answer some of the questions you're probably we'll building up in your mind. How is this possible? We'll be right back after this break on Ayers on the Road. And we're back. We're talking about um, a crazy family that uh, we have. <laughs> Happens our, to be our son. <laughs> our son and wonderful daughter-in-law and five amazing children. I mean, we, of course, we're the grandparents, so we we think they're absolutely perfect. But they're absolutely fascinating is what they are. I mean, Asia had some idiosyncratic credits. She was Miss Las Vegas, and she graduated as an undergrad from Harvard, and then, um, which in a way makes it even more amazing which, the lifestyle which they're makes living. It so fascinating. Jonah met her there when he was also attending classes there, and 
they have become the most amazing couple that you can imagine. And not only that, have they've produced these five kids, each totally unique personality. We probably should have started with the kids, actually. I, if I'd thought of that, I would have started there because it's not about the, the lifestyle they've chosen and the way they're trying to prioritize their family is not the end. That's the means to the end. The end is these kids and, and their goals for raising kids who are citizens of the world, who who know what's going on, who are aware and involved in many things, who develop their skills and talents. Okay. I mean, their oldest daughter holds the, the record for Maui for swimming. Well, we had her on the radio last week. Yeah, If yeah, you want to hear her talk about her goals, uh, tune into last week's radio show, which is so um, they're great students. They're great athletes. They're they're just accomplishing so many things. I mean, again, we're the most prejudiced people in the world because we're their grandparents. But but it begs the question: How did those kids get to be the way they are? And the answer is, their parents decided to not only say they ought to prioritize them, but to actually do it. And they're sacrificing a lot of things. They're they're probably making a tenth the money they could make if they went full time and worked and put work as their first priority. But they've decided that it's actually better for their kids to live a humble existence, to recycle everything. I mean, these are people who don't even take a plastic bag at the grocery store because that is is environmentally not sound. They all have their own water bottles, and uh, they're so plastic. careful with the earth. They are um, dirty a lot of time because they are into the earth. They have an orange tree outside their door, a huge orange tree, and they just go and shake off a few oranges every morning for fabulous fresh squeezed orange juice. They have chickens, so their their breakfast will be fresh orange juice and fresh eggs. They They have friends who are butchers, and so should we tell them the wild story about the cow coming off the mountain? They live really near (laughs) Haleakala, and once a year they cull the herd on Haleakala and bring them down. But these are cows that have been grass-fed, beautiful, beautiful cows, but Mm -hmm. there are too many of them. So they uh, actually helicopter them down, and then Jonah has a really good friend who's an expert butcher, and he knows how to take care of the meat, and so they... They have a freezer full of meat, and uh, when they get really uh, hankering for chicken, they just go out and kill a chicken. (laughs) That's really true, Um, because they're everywhere uh, in Maui. Now, a lot of you are saying, "Well, how do they? What what kind of house do they live in? How you know? How do you afford a house?" They bought a house that our youngest daughter came to visit them right after they first purchased it, and she started to cry because it was a shack. And she's Terrible. like, you can't raise these darling nieces and nephews of mine in, in this shack. This is not even livable. But Jonah, with his contracting skills, turned that into a wonderful kind of an old-style plantation house. And Asia, it with her years. decorating skills, she's magnificent at deciding what to do with a house. But the point is, no mortgage because of the way they did this and the way they, they, were, they were willing to scrape and scrimp and get along without things for long enough to create this situation where now their budget is really, really low and they can work now and then in order to have enough money to do what they need to do. And here they are prioritizing 
these children. They spend time with them. They take them places. Their their life. I guess I I wonder would some people look at this and say, well, you're too devoted to your children. You're too focused on them. You're doing it at the expense of everything else, and that'll catch up with you at some point. I guess some people would say well, that. Well, no, some I don't think they critical. do do that. They have lives. They, they have, have people that they, have they take they, care of, and and uh, they they have a lot of other distractions, but they are really there for their kids 24-7. They're really pretty amazing. Um, we get to walk the kids to school. It's just a little elementary school, and uh, we have a one of our kids is blonde, very blonde, and she's one of two blondes in the school of, I don't know, five Mostly Polynesian kids. Yeah. And, um, but they really are pretty amazing. You say that they're, uh, earlier you said all these kids are really savvy and they enter the world except for one. Yeah, they do have one dreamy <laughs> little girl who she, lives in her own world. She's an and artist. And draws unicorns. She is an artist that's extraordinary. She knows how to do shading. She knows how to do, she just knows how to do it. She's 11. It just came with her little soul, and she's just kind of dreaming all the time. But, I mean, hey, that's fantastic. We're just so But they're imaginative kids. kids, and they are, you know, the biggest worry of so many parents today probably many of you who are listening is the entitlement attitudes of kids. Well, let me just tell you, these, these kids don't have any entitlement attitudes. They, they don't get an allowance. They don't, there's no money in the family for that. If they want money, they have to figure out how to go do it. And they'll, they'll have lemonade stands or they'll go around. One, one little girl went around the neighborhood with a bucket and a brush offering to clean people's toilets. And you well, might say, well, that's well, that a little demeaning. You wouldn't want your kids doing that. But but you'd have to understand this attitude that we're all in it together. We don't have well, extra also, money. If you want to earn money, you've got to think of a way to do it. This is the same little girl who bought herself a horse when she was nine years old by the money she'd saved. I mean, this is – talk about entrepreneurship. Yeah. In fact, uh, they're, they're babysitting some – chickens for their neighbors taking right care now. of chickens and uh i they heard get paid in eggs i heard jonas <laughs> say the other day oh go out there and sell some of those eggs and i mean the neighborhood it is a different neighborhood that right, any of us right. live in and, you know people just oh yeah i'll buy your eggs and so um she's delighted and she gets to keep the money for it it is really the cutest thing and we, we are really curious to see how this plays out in 10, 15 years when yeah. these kids grow up and so on, whether they'll go sort of down that path or complete opposite. I don't know. Well, I can know. tell you this. Some, uh, some of our other children who live much more conventional lifestyles and who make a lot more money, I think, find themselves in, in a way envying Jonah and Asia because of the lifestyle they've been able oh, to they find. All do. And, and because of the amount of time they spend with their kids. Well, they all say, um, oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to do that. But it's just like, you know, you hear a beautiful violinist on a concert. And you think, oh, I want to do that. Yeah, but yeah. nobody is ready to do what it takes to make that happen. It is an amazing skill. And uh, not everybody can do it. And we're not saying that our other children ignore it. I mean, our other children ignore their children because they're terrific parents but we're just saying that they have just decided this is going to be their lifestyle 
and um, it's just really working. Part of the amazing thing to us is that they found each other, Jonah and Asia, and that they oh, both yeah. they both want to do this. I mean, how many spouses would say, "Okay, we'll just go ahead and cut our income to ten percent and live a bohemian kind of lifestyle and <laughs> and not worry about what other people will think of us or or not not worry about our self-image and the fact that we drive 40-year-old cars instead of new cars or whatever. There are not many people who are secure enough. You mentioned Asia's idiosyncratic credits. They, they, don't, they, they almost see it as a sort of different kind of status. It's almost like, you know, a hippie. It's almost like, I don't think they look down on people who are more materialistic, but they don't want to be them. They don't, they don't feel any urge to impress anyone, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you have to say to each his own because everybody has their own style. But the nice thing about this, I think, is a lot of things, but especially the kids, because they're so unspoiled. They're so obedient and ready to do whatever. And we'll see how long that lasts. They do have a 16 and a 14 year old. And so far, so good. They're absolutely awesome. Um, we'll see. But yeah, yeah. I just can't imagine that they're going to uh, rebel or uh, until they're old enough to see where they've been. Their little, their little seven-year-old is is uh, her name's Poem, and we call her Poe, and uh, she is so imaginative. I think part of the the whimsical lifestyle they live leads to imagination. I talked to her yesterday and said. You know, Poe, what's your favorite animal? And she said, uh, a baby elephant. I like baby elephants. And then she paused for a minute. She said, wait, do you mean actual animals or can I have mythical animals? And I said, well, okay, you can have any kind of animal. Oh, then my favorite is, is a pegasus because they're a winged horse who can fly and they have horns like a unicorn. <laughs> I said, yeah. oh, okay, well, that's, that's good. I mean, that's the way she thinks. And well, in fact, I took her out. When, when we come to visit our grandchildren who live far away, I usually take them out for a Grammy date. And I took Poe to town. They live within a few minutes of town. And we walked down and had such a fun time. But we got a drink. And in, while I was drinking, I looked down and said, oh, my gosh, there's an ant in my drink um, on this strawberry that's in here. And she looked at me and said, you know, Grammy, ants are good for the soul. <laughs> Did you wait to drink that? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. I didn't. But, you know, that's the way she thinks. So it really is quite an amazing process. Now, let's let's conclude not by, again, not advocating that everyone should quit their job, move to an island and focus full time on their kids. Um, the, 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 the thing, the reason we decided to do the show on this today, and I'm not sure we're going to even tell Jonah and Asia it's on, it might embarrass them, but, uh, the reason we wanted to do it is because I think it prompts us all to say, Hey, we're not going to do that, but what are we going to do? What are we going to do in our busy lives where our time and our energy and our mental capacity just get sucked away? by all these other things and we, we give our kids just the leftover time, just that we devote to our family the time when we're so tired at the end of the day, we, we, we can't really do much. 
what are we going to do to change that? What are we going to do to organize ourselves better, to have clearer goals, to find little time segments where we can really focus on our kids and on our marriages? What are we going to do? Because time will slip away and we need a strategy to prioritize our families. So we um, hope that you think about that at least. We, we, as Richard said, we don't expect you to move on to Maui, although a lot of you would like to do it. It's no, so I, gorgeous like here. Um, but it really is important to think about our families as our first priority. We wish you the very best and we'll see you again next week on Hires on the Road. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.